Welcome to the Healthcare Excellence Through Technology podcast. Designed by the healthcare industry for the healthcare industry, subscribe to stay up to date with the latest in digital health developments to help you on your digital transformation journey. Welcome to this podcast on digital dentistry. Most people will have seen that dentistry has been in the press recently, partly because of COVID-19, some of the issues around protective equipment, but also some discussion about how people access a dentist. Most people accessing healthcare services and their GP will have seen that lots of new channels have emerged, like online consultations, telemedicine and other things. This podcast really focuses on what's happened now, but also the future. And I'm really lucky to be joined today by two amazing individuals that have done so much in digitization, dentistry, and innovation. I've got Dr. Ben Underwood, the founder of Brush DJ and a dentist. And I've also got Dr. Tashveen Kalassi, who is uh, uh, currently the CCIO of a set of dental practices and was formerly the clinical lead for digital dentistry in NHSX. Welcome both. So, Ben, I'll start off with you. Tell me a bit about what you've been doing. Um, well, since COVID and everything pretty much stopped in terms of face-to-face -face dentistry, I've been doing telephone triage, which has been gone surprisingly well. Um, I think you'd have to ask my patients whether they agree with that, but it appears to have gone surprisingly well. Um, it really has shown that dentistry is a face-to-face -face business though and uh, I think that's that is kind of the big thing about how we've been impacted because we can't work two meters away from our patients it just doesn't work that way and the other big thing is we need to get x-rays a lot of the time and you just cannot do that down the telephone so that's been the big change over the past well eight weeks I would guess and Tashveen, tell us about what you've been up to and what you're doing at the moment. So since the COVID lockdown, um, I've been helping out with a urgent dental care hub in London and basically um, creating sort of the standing operating procedure of how we were going to function and coordinating logistics, manpower um, across the settings. But I've also been looking at how we can use digital technology to communicate with our patients in the form of sort of like um, consent and um, virtual com communications as well. Great, that's fantastic. And, and at the moment, out there in dentistry, what do you think digital dentistry means, Ben? Like there's so many people talking about things from different types of scanners and cameras. What does it mean for you? Well, that was when we, when we had the title of this podcast, I kind of re-looked at what digital dentistry is, and it's basically anything involving computer technology, and it, it's going from one extreme to kind of very, very fancy scanners to the, the other end, where just a, a practice maybe has a website or uses text messages or emails to communicate, so it's, there's a whole spectrum of things, and uh, it's kind of not just that. That the really what I try to think is not look at all the big scanners and things. It's thinking of the basics. So even just having digital notes. What was life like before we did, we had digital? So you used to write things out on paper. Your X-rays used to be processed with chemicals. So it's that, that change. Yeah, I think that the communication side of things has really been highlighted during this sort of COVID experience. 
Um, my take on digital dentistry has always been from a connectivity point of view, where we are connecting one health service to another part of the health service. So for example, during COVID, it's really come to light how we've been using email to communicate between different services. For example, we've got the urgent dental care hubs are receiving their patient communications via nhs.net email at the moment. But then further to that, we've also got patients having virtual consultations and using the different platforms. And we know in dentistry, that hasn't really been used in the past. And there are lots of different platforms out there which are being used. But I think the issues around sort of cybersecurity and clinical safety haven't actually been addressed. So we don't actually know whether um, the consultations that we're doing virtually are safe and secure. I think that's an area that needs to be explored. Tashmin, do you think that's really, you know, is that transformational that piece around sort of using email and things like that is that is that really changing how dentistry operates and has covid pushed that at all i think we've always used email to communicate with our patients um has it been a massive transformation within dentistry Um, personally i don't think so because we've had email for donkeys years now um, but I think it's using more of the online portals um, as um, secure um, communication methods, which our dental software suppliers have been developing rapidly. I think that's where you're going to start to see more of the digital transformation when it comes to our software suppliers. And Ben, you get to engage with patients and clinicians and lots of people across the system, especially people interested in innovation. Are there any major themes or trends that are emerging over the sorts of things that people are asking for? I think everyone wants to make that patient journey more streamlined and more pleasant for everybody involved. Pleasant's the exact word for it, but you want the patient to have the best experience possible, and often that means using digital. But again, I was pondering this morning about that patient journey. How can you use digital to make it better? So it's it's from even the kind of a new patient who wants to join your practice. Wouldn't it be great if you could view their past notes so the patient can let you, their patient have their own notes and you could view them. Um, wouldn't it be great if we were linked in to see what their medical history, what medications they're taking? I think, I don't, people who aren't dentists listening to this will think it's, it's crazy that dentists are completely out there. We don't really know what's going on with a patient in terms of medications, medical history, other than what they tell us. Um, and we don't really carry that history of the patient. I'm gonna, again, that's something that's highlighted through this is I've always want, I've wanted to see x-rays of patients. That's a real healthy thing. If you can't see the patient there and then, at least you can look at historical x-rays. If you're getting patients phoned up who aren't even registered with the practice, there's no way of doing that. So it's a real kind of disadvantage. So <laughs> And it's quite difficult because, you know, yesterday, for example, uh, there was a patient that somebody wanted me to give an opinion on. And I was like, look, I'm really happy to do this, but I need some history here. I want to see the medical history. I want to see the dental history. I even want to see the drug history. And, they, and their first question was, well, don't you have access to the summary care record? And I was like, well, no, I don't. And they just couldn't, they couldn't believe the fact that I couldn't actually see the information already. Tash, you've been working on this for a while. You know, do you have a view on whether that would work? and Is it even needed? Well, um, I'm also a hospital-based dentist, and one of the things um, that we've all, dentistry has always been very disjointed from the main um, healthcare system, which has been a shame because um, me as a hospital dentist, I work with special care patients, and often we have to um, extract information from the patient if 
to be able to understand what medical conditions and what medications they're on. And these are often patients who are highly susceptible um, to the treatments that we provide them. For example, radiotherapy patients who are at risk of getting conditions like um, necrosis if we're going to do extractions. Um, and one of the things that I've implemented at the hospital that I work, is, work at is access to summary care records. And it has had some benefit to our clinicians in that we've been able to find that information in real time when patients have presented so that we could do their treatment planning. Now in primary care dentistry, this has been more of a challenge because we don't have access to the, um, the NHS network, which is the Health and Social Care Network, also known as the N3 network. And this has to be accessed via smart cards. And one of the issues around that is that dentistry is not party to having some sort of registration authority to be able to issue these, um, which means that dentistry can't connect to the wider healthcare system. Um, Prior to COVID, I was working on a, um, a pilot with um, NHS Digital in being able to access these summary care records through the iPad pilot, similar to what they did with the London Ambulance Service. Um, and it, I think at this time, it would have been a real benefit to our urgent dental care centres, definitely. So, Hashvin, does that really matter, though? Because out there everyone in the public uses the internet lots of people use the internet we're, we're all using the internet right now surely in this day and age it shouldn't even matter about having these private networks can't we just share data anyway just over the internet how we do by email i think that is the way that we should be going we should be future facing to be using um, the internet for communications um, but I think along with that, we have to also consider the cybersecurity and the clinical safety aspect um, when we're trying to access patients' data because it is highly sensitive information and having um, authorization and secure networks are important in that aspect. And Ben, you know, you're really familiar with the, the power of the internet. You know, you've founded Brush DJ very much uh, something that's been born as a product of the internet era. What are your thoughts on the use of social media and other channels for engaging the population with dentistry? Um, well, if you think of any product, even if it's not dentistry, you will find now that people have moved to digital. Um, you still got that, you still have people having kind of banners on the streets and stuff like that, but most, a lot, well, the majority of marketing is now moved to digital and that's where people are. They're spending their time in front of their devices. So dentistry needs to be there. We can't just be kind of uh, word of mouth, I think, anymore in some ways or physical word of mouth. We can now be digital word of mouth with people recommending things. But in terms of my experience, obviously, I've, I've developed an app um, and I need to get people to know about that for it to be any use at all. Um, so what channels do I use? I use digital, so I use Facebook, I use Twitter. Um, not so much Instagram at the moment, but again, it's an area you need to look at because it's, it's trying to reach as many people as possibly cost effectively as well. And for my, well, in my term case, trying to make oral hygiene um, something that's known to people that they don't have to spend lots of money to find out about it so again that youtube is another great place where we do lots of videos on oral health and and at the moment out there there are so many apps and products out there uh for all sorts of things how do people know which ones they should use or not use especially people are thinking about getting oral health advice or in, you know doing something that's going to help them in relation to their teeth what's the best way of working out which product someone should use? 
Well, I think there's there's two good ways. First of all, is look on the NHS apps library because that is incredibly rigorous to actually get onto it. Um, the other is to look at Orca. If you Google Orca, and you can see all the apps that have gone through their testing process. So, the the good apps are being highlighted by these two organisations. And Tash, out there at the moment in practice, when patients are engaging, what are the sorts of things they're asking for when they think about accessing a dental service using something online? You know, it, it, do they want to access their practice through an app? I would say patients are using digital to communicate with us um, increasingly. Um, what we've found over these past six weeks is actually our digital channels have become the volumes of um, contact from patients into the service has increased um, to the equivalent of telephone calls. And I think that we need to, we need to be utilizing and encouraging um, services to be able to um, deliver. So um, one of the things that I often worry about is this very top-down approach. And if I think about, you know, having been in the NHS for a long time, sometimes we end up with national programs that have sort of got a very top-down approach to making transformation, digitization happen, especially when it concerns the NHS. And I've seen some good examples of things where they work really well and other examples that haven't worked so well. You know, what, what are the themes and trends you're seeing out there across the sector in healthcare more widely of sorts of national initiative that could make a difference in dentistry. You know, Ben, is there anything you've seen or come across where that you think that would be great if dentistry had that? Uh, well, I think there's no harm in people developing solutions as long as those solutions can talk to other solutions. That's what I, that interoperability, it's that kind of, if you develop something in one area of the country that can't talk to another area of the country's system, that's where the problems come. It's, that's what we've got to make sure that everybody's, and well, you, you guys will know more than I will about this, but everything's got to be able to talk to each other and pass information quite clear, easily and freely. It's when you have one system that just can't talk to another system that the problems happen. So it doesn't, as long as the top says, well, this is how this system is going to talk to another system, that's fine. I don't think it matters if localities do something different or use different software, etc. but they've all got to be able to talk to each other. Again, this is more your area <laughs> So I, I think that's a really interesting thing because I'm a fan of systems connecting to one another and sharing connect, contextual information where it makes sense to do so. I also worry though about the overload in that do we end up presenting people, clinicians, with so much information uh, and it's not necessarily information that's relevant to what they're looking for, the situation they're dealing with, and that burden actually ends up adding more time than necessarily alleviating it. Uh, and I guess my caution is always, how do we nuance it? How do we filter it so that it's the right information for the context, which is easier said than done because that sort of coding structure doesn't exist. I mean, Tash, you've been dealing with all the software suppliers and vendors out there uh, in dentistry. Are there any, th any themes emerging, sort of things they're going to implement to help solve that problem? So, so Tash, at the moment, I've heard about some initiatives like SNOMED in dentistry, and I think it's a really good idea that we have terminology that's going to improve medicines management, audit, population health level data, and even things like referrals. It works in other parts of the world. What are some of the issues about implementing something like SNOMED in dentistry, and what do we need to do to the ecosystem? Well, with SNOMED in dentistry, we need to, if it's going to be implemented, it has to be implemented in the right context. 
Um, because if it's not, and you are asking software suppliers just to implement their own version of SNOMED, we come back to the same problem as how a system supposed to talk to each other if there hasn't been no standard set in the first place. And that then poses challenges when we're trying to connect to other healthcare systems, because that information that's going to be passed across is going to be inconsistent. There needs to be some sort of group formed where they are producing this terminology consistently and it works across the health sector. If that happens, then we can get some valuable data out of it. The way that it's being implemented at the moment is that each software supplier is left to their own devices to implement how they feel and it will just sit in the background of their of their practice management system, which is all very well, but it doesn't hold any value when we're trying to share it within the, the wider healthcare service. So would you say when we're thinking about digital transformation dentistry, you know, there's there's a more sort of a cultural issue that we need to deal with, which is you can't simply create something and then implement it once it almost needs to be managed like a product it needs ongoing development resource support uh, and that change process is that the piece that sometimes falls down of course because nothing is stagnant in technology everything is constantly evolving and changing where we were 20 years ago with um, digital technologies is not where we are today and where we are today is definitely not going to be where we are going to be in 20 years time and so that constant, that constant evolving and development has to be in place and it has to be managed because as soon as you get um, different channels forming, you lose that consistency and you lose that overall scope or the purpose of the product that you were producing in the first place. And Ben, at the moment, if we look at that evolution across the system for anything, and I often think about the internet era in that we're right now in a society where 93 to 94% of the country has got some degree of internet penetration uh, and, and looking at how we need to deal with all health inequalities. Do you feel that we need a shift in our public health approach to try and really embrace the internet era and digitization to get messages to people in a different way? And, and do you see that happening right now? Oh, it's definitely happening. I mean, I think we've seen with the COVID uh, how many well how much has been on digital channels how the information has got across on digital channels um it's always that thing that i think that worries everyone that you're saying 94 percent there's still that six percent who aren't on digital and that's what we always kind of i think we worry about um so it's how, it's how we can overcome that so maybe if we invested everyone in having internet rather than having a, a faster train line to birmingham would be more useful um but it's, it is, as you say, it, it has moved, and I think it will move more and more onto the digital rather than the physical. So I would hate to see anybody producing leaflets now that go out of name instantly and have to be sent I, to post. I really struggle with leaflets. I keep on getting asked by commissioners <laughs> and Public Health England to stick up posters and leaflets in my practices. Uh, and I actually get performance managed on this. They come around with a tick list and saying, hey, where's your leaflet for this and poster for that? And I find it astonishing. I've got TV screens in my practice that roll messages. I, I'm left uncertain as to why we still need to, why we measure people based on do they have a physical leaflet stuck up and is the poster here and are they handing a card out? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, well, that's one of the barriers of most things, isn't it? Culture. Um the kind of big stopping point of lots of innovations are in individuals um, and just changing people's opinion that digital works and that you, you get 
people are getting there. I think COVID is, if you go and look at positives of COVID, I think people have started to see that digital has been essential during this moment. Well, partly for people, people uh, well connected, definitely speaking to friends, family, parents. I think the fact that you can see them on video has been essential for mental health in a lot of ways. Uh, for communication in terms of general, uh, general data, uh, medical practice has been essential. Dentistry, as I was saying at the start, is not quite the same just because we really do need to be looking closely in a patient's mouth and we need to be getting x-rays. So that's, that's one of the barriers for us. But uh, it, it has been, I think, COVID, you've got, again, you've got to look at some positives of COVID. And I think it has pushed that digital agenda much further up. A lot of the barriers that were there have suddenly dropped and a lot of people said, oh, well, we, we can do it this way then. And across the NHS, we hear so much about innovation all the time. And you are the first and probably only dentist that's become a national innovation accelerator. How, how do you do it? And what's your journey to getting there? Uh, <laughs> spending up the time. I think time is the big thing. Don't expect. I, I mean, I started Brush DJ back in 2011. Um, and it usually takes an innovation 17 years to get into the NHS. So I slightly got ahead of the curve. And that was from being one of the NHS Innovation Accelerator fellows back in 2015, helped me do that. But it's that, why do things take so long? And that's 17 years for an innovation that will help patients. Um, and that's what we're here, we're here to help patients. That's why I was saying about that digital journey should be to make a patient's life better. And usually if a patient's life better, is our life's better as well. So it's, it's trying to come out overcome those barriers. And I was saying, people are often the biggest barrier. People don't like change and digital is a big yeah. change for lots of people, especially the, the generation that didn't grow up with digital. If in the last 20, any of what is a 20 year old now or in that age bracket, digital is all they pretty much know. If you're somebody who wasn't born in this generation, you're a bit about in your 40s, 50s, 60s, it's kind of, well, actually, physical is what you were used to, paper, print. But, um, so that's just some of the barriers. Cost as well, who, who wants to fund certain things? We've got the NHS, which has traditionally had no money to spare. We seem to have got money floating around at the moment. And hopefully, again, another thing that COVID will do will be to push money into the NHS, uh, as long as it's wisely spent. Part of um, what you've just explained is to do with um, the whole journey from any service that you're trying to provide. So if you've got commissioners who are saying you need to provide a service and it has to be delivered in such a way, why are they not connecting with the digital arm of the NHS that should also be helping in providing digital means? And I think that lack of connectivity between um, NHS departments is really, really obvious when it comes to dentistry because you've got one arm doing one thing, you've got another arm doing another thing and they're not connecting. Um, and also just going back to the change management piece is that, yes, we can go digital, but as you've mentioned before, the, it's the overload of information, which is also a barrier to, to some people. So I'm also a clinical teacher um, at one of the London hospitals. And what I'm finding is that the students have been bombarded with so many emails that it's information overload for them. So they don't know which bits of the system to pick out and which bits are necessary and which bits aren't. So I think having very clear, simple um, communication channels where people aren't overloaded and bombarded with information um, is, one, is part and parcel of the journey of going digi digital. And at the moment, you know, you're one of the first few dentists that are in the faculty of clinical informatics. 
you've participated in the NHS Digital Academy. What have you learned from that about different ways of working and understanding need that you could use in dentistry? It's all about understanding um, the patient journey and the user journey and working with your end users when you're developing your, um, your, your solution because ultimately they are the people who are going to be using the system that you want to implement and without their input it's a really really difficult challenge because you'll produce something which on the surface is great but if it's not functional for the for the end user um, and not understanding the the nuances that they have to get to then what you find is that they will end up doing workarounds and they won't be using the systems as they should be using them which means that the information that you're collecting um, and passing through to other departments won't be um, as concise as it could be. And then that also produces other um, problems that go with it. So if we look forward, let's pretend we're in 2030 and not 2020 and we go 10 years into the future. Uh, and Ben, I'll start with you. What, what do you think will be in dentistry that is technology orientated that doesn't exist right now? Anything that, uh, you think will be really radically different? Ooh, radically different. That, that's a tricky one. Um, something I think will be important is the kind of joining up of diet. There's a lot of, I think, sensors and things are going to come along. I think this diet industry will change that we could tell how much sugar is in lots of bits of food that we're eating. So the moment we can check our pulse, we can check our blood pressure very easily from a, a device. I think that's something really big because we always we've got to remember that tooth decay is caused by often having too much sugar so that ability to actually tell how much sugar is in a product which is something that's on the periphery at the moment but there are devices that are going to be able to do that could be incredibly important so you would know what what sugar is passing your lips basically so that's something i'd like to see in the next 10 years but a better understanding of diet um, imagine if we uh, imagine if we had some glasses that you're wearing that uh or even your plate to sort of told you in advance how much, uh, how, how uh, cariogenic your diet was. That would be, that would certainly be interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, you wake up with everything in terms of levels of protein, levels of uh, vitamins, etc. would be quite, again, it's one of those things, it's not too far-fetched to think that could happen because you can already, well, with the NHS apps, you can scan a barcode on a product and tell you how, what's in it. Um, so yeah, 10 years, that would be really exciting. Um, I mean, my hope would be that everybody was using my app and they're all brushing their teeth with fluoride toothpaste. And then we wouldn't have a lot of the decay that we see. Uh, basically spitting the toothpaste out, not rinsing, if you get the population doing that. I mean, we, and that's, children shouldn't be having decay, so we should be moving to a population of children that don't have decay. And that would be my hope in 10 years, that when they do their studies, they find that no children have got decay because it doesn't need to happen. Kathleen, how about you? Behavior change. That's nothing flashy. It's how do you get that behavior change happening? And you're using technology to do it. Kathleen, how about you? That's what you need to do again. Um, so for me, I think it will be, I think in 10, 20 years time, we should definitely have a connected um, dentistry system to the rest of the healthcare system. So we should be able to see shared records. We should be sending um, our patient records to GP so that they, you know, if the patient's got diabetes, there's a two-way communication where we've got we, we know that the patient's got diabetes we know that there's an oral health issue that's around that that's affecting gum disease and being able to have um joint working between services 
that's one of the things. I think the other thing we would would be great to see is using AI in um, being able to predict carious lesions from X-ray images, but also by looking at um, images for um, like soft tissue lesions for like oral cancer. I think that will be an interesting um, development in that area. I think there are other things like being able to do home self-assessments on your your checkup. So rather than you having to go to the dentist to have that done, you have something on your um, you have some sort of scanner on your on your phone, which you can then take an image of that, send that to the dentist, and they can sort of they can have a look and say, actually, you've got some caries here. You need to have some um, cleaning in this place, and be able to remotely consult with the patient to tell them they've got um, an indication for dental need rather than having to go to a physical practice. Um, being able to deliver treatment in or treatment planning in that aspect I think would be quite interesting because actually we could probably get a lot more um, patients interacting with dentistry because I think at the moment just we've got around about 50% of the population visits the dentist annually um, where that could be improved vastly but then with that would also become the financial impact um, that we see in dentistry because a lot of it is privatised and the NHS has only got a certain amount of funding that they can um, deliver to dentistry at the moment. Just yeah. picking up on a, uh, oh, sorry, Sam, just picking up on another thing. I mean, I think the idea that everything in dentistry needs to be cost effective, clinically effective, but the big thing that I think will happen in the next tier, 10 years is looking at the environmental impact of what we're doing in dentistry. Um, in terms of how much waste we generate, which is going to well, going to go up incredibly. Well, you'll know from working in the urgent care hubs, the amount of material that we're going to be getting through because of it. Looking at toothbrushes is something that's already going ahead. People are looking at electric toothbrushes and say, well, actually, you've got a, a battery in a sealed unit. So in 10 years, when people look back and say, God, why were you doing this? You were creating all these uh, these devices that could never be um, disposed of properly. Um, so I think that's thing, that, that environmental impact is that when COVID's over, we're still going to have one of the biggest crises we've got, and that's global warming. And all the environmental impact will be something that people will look at, not just dentistry, I think across every industry in the world. De definitely. I mean, already we're seeing the amount of waste being produced from any healthcare facility as a result of trying to manage uh, COVID and patients has increased significantly. Uh, and I think it'll be incumbent on all of us to change how we operate, including getting patients into services. And certainly if I look forwards by 10 years, you know, I'd love to see this point where we've got devices such as toothbrushes that have got the ability to detect uh, caries risk, carrier risk, simply from some sort of sensor or other type of IoT connected device uh, on, on a brush. And then really reducing the friction for patients when they need to access a service that it's done in the most frictionless way possible, where they could have part of their consultation online, where their risk assessment is done before they get near a service, where they can book online, uh, you know, and some of that work can be done ahead of it. When they're in the service, that some of the transcription takes place using NLP, that the images, if they're needed, are monitored by some form of AI, and then any follow-up, if they need to have any treatment, there's some of the pre-op is done outside of the setting to really improve the efficiency for the citizen and hopefully in time to reduce some of the cost uh, of services, making it more affordable both for the taxpayer but also for citizens that they pay out of pocket because we're going to improve access to services, we're going to need to reduce the cost somehow and uh, you know, so I'd love to see a point 10 years time where some of these developments are, are there 
Uh, and let's hope uh, in, when we have this discussion again at some point that some of these things will have happened. Well, I think one of the, been... well, can I just add, um, well, I think one of the biggest problems that we have in dentistry is that we completely lack digital leadership. And having aspirations to digitise um, practices and working in hospital services, um, there is a complete disconnect between what's realistic and what can actually be delivered. And at the moment, what I'm seeing in the hospital service, especially for dentistry, is that processes are being added onto, they've been taken as manual processes and digitised to a digital process, but it's being delivered the same way as a manual process, which is actually added to clinician burden. So I think we need to factor that in when we're going to digitise anything, whether it's an IoT solution or whether it's a connectivity solution, we need to think about the burden that we're adding to clinicians to make it we want to have a solution that is simple um, to use and it becomes natural as part of their normal workflow. I, I, I couldn't agree more and uh, often describe that as transference, not uh, transformation. And uh, un unfortunately, there's a lot of that with some great ideas, but when the end-to-end -end flow isn't worked through, it does sadly add a lot of time. And I'm certainly seeing that when we're using email to deal with prescriptions where all it's doing is adding a lot of time that didn't exist uh, before but it's been absolutely amazing speaking to you both and listening to your your insights your experiences i'm really excited about the thoughts around the future and where we could end up in 10 years so thank you so much for giving me your time today and for participating in this podcast uh looking forward to seeing you in person soon thanks thank you very much sam thanks sam. thanks Ashley. Thank you for listening. Sign up to our podcast for the latest digital health developments or visit hetshow.co.uk for the latest info on the HET Live event, as well as news and updates from the best in health tech.